Thanks for listening to Sex with Emily. In today's episode, I'm sharing some of the most open and insightful conversations with sexologists I've had over the past few years. Sexual empowerment coach Amy Jo Goddard brings us all you need to know about the clitoris, but we're afraid to ask, and how to manage your insecurities so they don't ruin your relationship. Sex therapist Hernando Chavez shares pleasurable ways to ease into backdoor sex. Teacher and porn star legend Nina Hartley explains why you should never feel guilty about pursuing a non-traditional relationship and how to find the right one that works for you. And sex educators Sunny Megatron and Ken Melvoinberg give specific ways to break through kink stereotypes that are holding you back. And and how to have fun with it because hey sex is fun all this and more enjoy the show I'm not easily impressed. So when I find something that I love, I can't stop talking about it. Well, have you ever been in this situation when you're so hungry that you'll eat anything? Well, I like to err on the side of healthy. So I usually just pick up the first energy bar I see because let's be honest, most of them taste the same. Until they didn't, have you tasted the RX bar? It's so yummy and healthy. I'm going to tell you how this little bar saved my life in a bit, but for now, if you want 25% off your first order, go to rxbar.com slash SWE and use promo code SWE at checkout. That's rxbar.com slash SWE, promo code SWE. I'm fascinated with sex tech and innovation, and from the second I heard about UV, I didn't hesitate to jump on board and be part of their Kickstarter campaign, which was a huge success thanks to you. Now it's been over a year and UV is the hottest thing to hit the sex toy market in years. Why? Well, for one, it's the only product on the market that can sanitize sex toys while charging and discreetly storing them. UV is designed for the intricate contours of luxury sex toys, but can handle anything from hairbrushes to jewelry to remote controls. And not only does it clean and charge my phone every night, the onboard USB ports keeps my toys ready to go. UV makes cleaning toys so easy, and it's available in two sizes, the Go Play and the larger Home version. I've already furnished my home with a dozen of these. I mean, hey, you know how many sex toys I have. UV is an elegant box with a locking function. I just open the lid, place in my items to be clean, and close the box. Depending on which UV you have, cleaning takes between 5 and 10 minutes. The ultraviolet cleaning system has been proven to eliminate 99.9% .9 of harmful bacteria found on sex toys and other items. If you're a lover of sex toys, you can order one for yourself. To learn more, just click on the UV banner on my website or visit uvclean.com slash Emily. That's U-V-E-E-C-L-E-A-N dot com slash Emily today. Look into his eyes. They're the eyes of a man obsessed by sex. Eyes that mock our sacred institutions. Bedroom eyes, they call them in a bygone day. Hey, Emily. You got a boyfriend? Because uh, my man E here, he just got his heart broken. He thinks you're kind of cute. The girl's got to have her standards. Oh, my. Do women know about shrinkage? Isn't it common knowledge? What do you mean? Like laundry? It shrinks? Can we not talk about sex so much? Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. I feel so good. Being bad feels pretty good. But you know, Emily's not the kind of girl you just play with. You're listening to Sex with Emily. We're talking about sex, relationships, and everything in between. For more information, go to sexwithemily.com. Check out our website, our blogs. We have so much information up there to help you have better sex and relationships. Oh, and today, you guys, February 6th, take a coffee break and join me. I'm doing a Facebook Live and an Instagram Live. My Facebook Live is 3 o'clock Pacific, 6 o'clock Eastern, and Instagram Live is 4 o'clock Pacific and 7 o'clock Eastern. So get your sex and relationship questions ready, mark calendars, set a reminder, and I'm so excited to see you there. I'll be answering all of your sex, relationship questions. If you've got Valentine's Day questions, I'll be there for you. So it's facebook.com slash sex with Emily and Instagram is at sex with Emily along with Twitter and everywhere else that you might follow me on social media, which I love that you do. Um, okay, today's show is really fun. Let's get into our interviews. If you want to hear the full episodes, look at the links in the show notes, which can be found at sexwithemily.com. Your book, okay, Amy Jo Garter, they can find you at amyjogarter.com. Yep. Uh, G-O-D-D-A-R-D. -D. And this is all on my website as well. Mm. At Amy Jo Goddard on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Amy Jo Goddard dot coach. Mm -hmm. And then your book, The Lesbian Sex Secrets for Ben. You released an expanded second edition. So what is new in the book? 
A bunch of things. I'd it like was to know. so fun. It's like <laughs> you often don't get the second chance, you know? Right. How amazing. And, uh, Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. The book has sold so well that uh, when I went back to Penguin Random House with the new book, they were like, wait, what? We don't have an ebook of lesbian sex secrets <laughs> for men? I'm like, yeah, what's wrong? So, um, so yeah, it was great. We got to actually get a much better cover for it because I always hated the first oh, cover. Oh, I want to see it. Okay. <laughs> um, the cover's fabulous. Um, and yeah, so I got to edit through and really update the language. I mean, it's fifteen year old book. Oh, wow. wow, okay. It came out in two thousand. Wow. So um, I was a wee twenty nine year old at the mm. time. So uh, yeah, and then uh, we added uh, sections on things that weren't really happening. Like then. anal. We added Why a lot not? of stuff about anal. Yeah, a lot of stuff about that. Um, and then not we that added, wasn't happening. People not that it wasn't that. happening. <laughs> yeah. it wasn't, I mean, we had a chapter on anal then. We just added more to right. it. Uh, and uh, more stuff about technology and sex. And then um, one of my favorite sections we added, well, a couple. One, we, we added something on polyamory mm-hmm. because that wasn't really in the conversation at the right. time. I was doing it, but it wasn't being talked about it in the same way. And then um, we added a section for guys who are dating bisexual women because oh. we've talked to so many of them over the years. And that can be a really big struggle. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? God. So what do you tell them? What's your uh, advice? That you know? They're going to yeah. eventually leave you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it does sometimes happen. Yeah. yeah. It does. It's, it's tricky. You know, it's not an easy thing for a lot of people. And because sometimes what it comes down to is a woman having to make the choice of choosing the relationship or choosing her sexuality, right. which is the choice a lot of people get in, whether exactly. they're bisexual mm-hmm. or something so else, true. because they might be in a sexless marriage where they're like, well, I could stay with you and be in the marriage with you, or I could choose my sexuality and go have the sex life I want right, to have. Exactly. You know, I talk to people who are in that struggle all the time. So, you know, I think it's really about communicating it, negotiating it, figuring out what's going to work for both of you and whether... There is a win-win. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that's something women really do need to explore, right? And they're gonna they're gonna eventually need to do it, whether they do it now or do it later. And so, not having the conversation or addressing it just again sweeps under the rug, and then it becomes that elephant in the exactly. in the living room right. at some point. Exactly, you gotta um, figure out what kind of life you want to live. Yeah, okay. I mean, but I think guys okay, who are kids. with who attract those kinds of women tend to be awesome guys. All the ones I've known, yeah. I'm like, yep, you're an awesome well, how, guy. How would you describe so, that kind of guy? Uh, What's the similar traits? I think that uh, they tend to have a little bit of a better understanding of gender equity and mm-hmm. what that looks like in a relationship. Um, and I, I personally think, well... Better lovers? What? I think. Well, I think bisexual men are definitely better lovers. I don't know about the men who partner with right. bisexual women. Got it. But what are some of the? Can we just get into the sex tips real quick? So, sure. what are some of the, the the most popular sex tips in the book? Or you think that were really that like like a lesbian needs to tell guys this like about women's bodies? What would you think is a chapter or something that keeps getting brought up to you that people really enjoyed around the sex tips that you could share? I think a big piece is really understanding the body and all the parts of the clitoris that never get talked about. Um, I'm an anatomy geek. I love teaching anatomy. And every time I teach it, people are like, what? You know, right, I taught, I taught a class on pleasure chest recently yeah. about this. So What don't we know? Well, you know, the clitoris, I think we learn to think of it as like, it's that little, right. that little button. If I push it just right, <laughs> right exactly. yeah. scream in ecstasy. You know, it's not like that. So it's got, I you wish. know, all the same parts, actually, that male genitalia have they're just organized differently and so there's there's two large erectile they're called crura or legs legs. that run underneath the labia Uh, and so actually bringing a lot of blood flow starting with a lot of blood flow into the entire vulva brings a lot of that blood into all her erectile parts that are mostly inside the only part you actually get to see is the clitoral head she's got a shaft she's got the legs um there's all this spongy tissue you know and so also there's there's spongy tissue on every side of the vagina and so that's all erectile tissue so even though a lot of women don't have orgasms through intercourse per se a lot of their pleasure is derived from all of that 
area, delicious right. tissue mm-hmm. being I know, stimulated. I think people don't know. They don't know, right? I love that you're mm-hmm. talking. We talk about this too. That it's not just about that. Yeah, the labia. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much. There's so much. So rich. And then, so when people really rush to intercourse, you're just you're totally like bypassing, basically like bypassing the opportunity to really create a lot of pleasure for your partner because you know and then what ends up happening is women start to think oh sex hurts or intercourse hurts I want to avoid that because they've been with partners who aren't actually doing their due diligence bringing that blood flow getting the vagina ready to want it right and so then they have a partner that starts avoiding intercourse and they're like what's wrong I'm like well you yeah, got, you weren't turned you on, you were right for here. the right, exactly. Yeah. That's what we talk about. So. Foreplay, foreplay. It's yeah. not a suggestion. Why are you yelling at me? Just because we talk about <laughs> you're it. You're, you're the representation yeah, of I'm all like, men geez, right now. Yeah, yeah, there's it's a lot here. of pressure. Um, but yeah. we, one of us answers some emails from all listeners. Right, cool. yeah. How'd that be, Amy? Okay, we've got some emails from the people. Thank you for emailing me. Feedback at sexwithemily.com. I love hearing from you. It's awesome. And would you please also include your name, how old you are, how you listen, which is so awesome. Sexual guilt. Emily, I've been listening to your podcast recently and I've really connected with your show. It's incredibly informative and insightful. Recently, I've been struggling with somewhat of a weird issue that I haven't been able to get over. I experienced a lot of guilt after having sex. The sex ranges from long-term relationships to one-night stands. But every time I have sex, I feel this weird guilt bubble up inside me and I feel like I did something wrong. I'm 24. This has been going on since I was 17. I could really use some advice. Am I alone in feeling like this? What insights do you have on this? Thanks, Martin. Um, so Amy Jo, I thought you may be able to help me answer this question for Martin. Yeah, yeah, great question. I think a lot of people feel that way. The shame of the guilt. Oh my God, mm-hmm. people right? hold guess- themselves back from so much pleasure and joy because of feeling guilty. Right, <laughs> how can we, exactly, all the time? I mean, Martin, I think guilt is, is a wasted it's wasted energy. It's such it, a waste. It, it, I, I think guilt really does nothing for us, but makes it's us a waste. feel bad. My mom always says it's a wasted emotion. It's not even an emotion, though. She's like, it's a waste of time. Yeah. It is. Truly. Mm-hmm. What happened when you were 17? Like, did well, that's something that's what I want to know. Exactly. I think that there that, might be some trauma or some yeah. issues. Or, yeah. Parents something might happened have with said, a partner. Uh, or, it could have been like my mom who said, if you're going to have sex, you're going to get her pregnant right. from the first time. Like. Right. Just messing with your head, you know? Yeah. And he's saying like every single time it could be a relationship or one night stand. So I think there's going to be some work here trying to figure out what happened at that age. Yeah. I mean, what was the genesis of that? What were, what's really the core? Like what's underneath the guilt? Because it's really not about the guilt. It's about something happened that you never made peace with or gave yourself permission for. Exactly. I really want to encourage you to figure out that thing and then just, I think you have to give yourself permission. That's one of the elements in the book. It's like we need so much permission to just be who we are exactly. as sexual people I know. and like what we like. Mm-hmm. And it's not okay. Be like, there is no oh, this normal. So Don't wrong. compare yourself. Yeah. I know, exactly. It's so true. Yeah. Um, and I would say, yeah, I mean, and also this might not be something he can give himself permission, but this might not be something that he could work out on his own. So I mm-hmm. would say, you know, Get some support. Get some support. Absolutely. Therapy. Absolutely. Okay, we got another email. Um, hey, Emily, fellow Wolverine here. Hell yes. Hell yes. Hail. Because <laughs> hail to the victors. It's my school. 28-year-old female and listen religiously on the iTunes app. I appreciate everything you do to help make our society more sexually knowledgeable, and your co-host's advice has definitely educated me and improved my sex life. Of course. All that said, I have a dilemma (laughs) I would love your guidance on. I recently started dating a guy, 29, who's absolutely incredible. We clicked almost immediately and learned quickly that we are very sexually compatible. I've never been so consistently aroused just thinking about a guy, let alone when we're actually together. My problem is when we became Facebook friends, I discovered that he still has several pictures of his ex-girlfriend posted, despite telling me that he had <laughs> been single for quite some time. Well, this somewhat this is somewhat of a red flag. My main concern is that she's an incredibly beautiful girl, great body, gorgeous face. I'm no troglodyte or anything. I just have a lot of insecurities related to stretch marks from weight loss and scars from abuse. I also have the problem of being a unicorn who thoroughly enjoys getting turned on or enjoys slash getting turns on by having giving head. And I worry that perhaps he's settling for me as a reflection of what he actually wants, which is her, the ex. Is there any way to approach these insecurities without seeming like a crazy person? If there is a male uh, present to weigh in, how aware are men of these flaws that women obsess about? I do my best to give off confidence when we're intimate, as I know this is the key to sexiness, but I can't help but wonder if he is constantly comparing me to what he had before. Any help you can give would be greatly appreciated. You're so wonderful. Thanks again. Maddie. 
Oh, that is man. a lot here. A lot going on. Uh, remember the days before pre-internet, guys? Yeah. <laughs> this is just... She she got all that <laughs> from photographs on Facebook. From right. an ex-girlfriend. Right. Yes. One picture. Right. All She's that... She's made up a big story. Whole story. Yeah. Yeah. Whole yep. backstory. You yeah. know, I... Do you think that men are that concerned? She's worried about the stretch mark. She's worried about. Uh, I, I, and you know when I speak, it's I'm speaking for all men. Um, <laughs> it's uh, no You're guys. The uh, child. Yeah, this guys is what don't I get sued. think about that stuff at all. They don't care. They're just They're happy, know, to, be happy yeah. to be there. Happy to be there. Happy to be with you. Time. Happy to be having sex with you. Happy to be uh, receiving fellatio. You know, all this stuff is being made up in your head. All its insecurities. Like you should not. If he wanted to be with that person, he would go be with that person, yeah, or right. he would be with somebody similar to whoever that right. girl is in the six photographs. Right. You know, exactly, exactly. It's like, I, yeah, uh, it's worrying about it way too much. You need to be present in your relationship, and you're you're causing problems. She you're is. causing like, issues. I think she's sabotaging know? it. She was just way yeah. looking for something because these are already bubbling uh-huh. up below the surface. Or, or Wait, how, how long were they been together? I don't know. Did it say? Um, Are they three years into a relationship recent. and he still has? Recent. recent. Okay. Recent. Uh, I, I'll tell you this. I never even checked my Facebook messages. The thing is full. Like, right. I'm, not going, back, I'm not, going back, I'm not going back into my photos no and deletes photos. I'm, That's I'm not. Thing. I'm like, I'm not even thinking about that at all. Right. I mean, I think she's just letting her insecurities get the best of her. Of and course, I don't but think he was being dishonest. Like I was going to say, if you're three years into your relationship and yeah, maybe the photos are, are still up there, you might have even a problem. Then. <laughs> even so then, I right. know. You know, this idea that that we come into a new relationship and suddenly I have no past. I have no such yeah, yeah. past. And I've, there's, I've never, I mean, I mean, that's my good dream. Good for you that, that you have, have no this hot guy who used yeah. to be with this other hot woman and now he's with you. Like, obviously, right. you've some, got something going on. Mm-hmm. Right, You're going to exactly. mess it up. You're basically just throwing a, a grenade into your relationship. Right. I mean, well, he's over the comparison this, you know? game never compar- gets you it never anywhere. Works. No, never it's gonna... just it's we have to stop doing that. We do. And women do this so much. I don't know if is it as bad for men. I don't women know. Women do it all it, the time, know, and we're taught to compete as well. Yeah. So yeah. I think I think that's a part of it. But you know, it's really something I work with women on in my sexual empowerment programs because you cannot be empowered and be tearing other women down or constantly comparing yourself and tearing yourself down. That is not an empowered place. And everyone has their own thing to offer. Why would you do this to yourself? He gets to have pictures of people. I'm not going to give up pictures of my past relationships that are are memories for me or people that were important in my life and might still be. There's nothing wrong with that. And this is all based on on her own interpretation of of what happened. um, But you're right. I don't know why women... Oh, sorry. No, people always talk about how, uh-huh. especially being in LA, I'm not saying this doesn't happen everywhere, but I remember, I don't know, but just because it's such a, LA is a different mm-hmm. world in some ways about like looks and celebrity, mm-hmm. but I, and I wasn't just brought up this way, like I'm not a, um, I'm really not a competitive person and I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, luckily I, I mean, I always have other issues, but I'm not like a, compa- I'm always like a, let's all mm-hmm. bring each other up, bring mm-hmm. women up, but I do think that it comes up all the time here. People saying, are there, do you find the women really catty here? And are they really competitive? And I don't remember people asking me that in San Francisco. I just, I'm not saying that whatever happens everywhere, but I do think it's something that, I mean, if you can get women just to focus, you know, it's a confidence thing and get them to look yeah. at and celebrate themselves. And, and, yeah. and, um, but it's just, I think it's just really hard cause it's always in your face, especially now with social media and Instagram and you're looking at everything and it's just, it's just not helping not that women and men haven't felt insecure yeah. since the beginning of time. Yeah. Like I was going to say, I think guys would, yeah, they, some will stew over that, but they would get over it eventually within a few days. They're not going to, really bring it into the relationship you know because again i think at the end of the day they're really happy just to be with you yeah and again i'm speaking for all men right thank you (laughs) um whenever insecurity in a relationship comes up with clients that i'm working with i i always have them look at is the insecurity in yourself or is it in the relationship right because I think that's a very, very important distinction to make. Is he really doing anything that is giving you great pause and saying, wow, there's a problem here? It doesn't sound like from what she wrote there no, is. No, not at all. And so then that's really, that's her work to do. You know, you've got to do your work on your own insecurity and not project that onto him. If you do, you will lose the relationship. 
because that's not sexy. Right. Not sexy it's at all. It's really not. You don't want to get mad, be <clears throat> nagging. Oh, why do you have the picture? I mean, that is sabotaging yeah. it. So how would I, you work with the, work with her, for example? I think to really look at what is it bringing up in you? What, you know, I think you have to get underneath that. And I think it's about her own body insecurity and working on loving her body. And I mean... And I think there's also a piece where she's afraid to let herself actually have the pleasure that she's having. And I think that people run from pleasure. They feel like the last guy, you know, feeling guilty about pleasure. We feel guilty about feeling good. We are meant to feel good. Pleasure is a gift from spirit, from the universe, from God, you know, whatever you believe in. It is a gift. We are meant to feel that. I know. Why would you put something in the way? She talks about how she's so excited and she's thinking of him. And she, I mean, awesome. It's our brains Focus automatically like, can't be too happy. You <laughs> yeah, gotta yeah, bring yeah. us down. Right. Oh, much. yeah. How can I mess this up? Yeah. Exactly. Mm. So, you know, we that. do, we all have that saboteur inside of us. And I'm here with my friend, Hernando, Dr. Chavez. Hello. Emily, hello. You're like playing my little co-host today. I know. I mean, you're We kicked out Menace. We're like, you know, he can't do anal like you can. So I'm glad you're here because it is anal sex month. Happy anal sex month. Every August it comes around and uh, the back door. And I thought no better person than Dr. Hernando Chavez, who you're a therapist. You see patients, clients. What do you call them? Uh, Everything. Yeah. Clients. And... um, which I love that you do that. And people come to see you for, what would you say is the most common things people come see you for? Ooh, you know, I have a split practice. So half of it is alternative sexuality. They could be fetishist, kinky, into non-monogamy. Um, and the other half will be about sexual concerns. So they might have couples issues, intimacy difficulties. Maybe their penis is not cooperating like they'd like to, or you know, their vagina or vulva is you know, uh, uh, not cooperating as well. So it's just people who want to improve their sex life. Right. That's great. I'm glad they can find you. You can also find Hernando. It's uh, drhernandochavez.com. That's C-H-E-V-E-S. Chavez. It'll also be on our website, Instagram and Twitter, Hernando underscore Chavez. So let's move into a little anal sex because um, last year around this time, we were holing up in my apartment. Um, that sounds so dirty. <laughs> Your listeners are like, what the hell are these two doing? This is... <laughs> Clarify that. Clarify Culling. that. Holy. No, we were not. We were not having sex. We were no. not. No. Mind sex. But mind sex. Mind we were sex. mind effing each other. But you can swear. It's fine. But I try not to often. But we were. Um, I was prepping for an anal sex workshop, and Hernandez does a lot of workshops. And I was like, I'm just so much better working with you with someone one on one. We put together. You know, we talked a lot about anal, and um, you're an anal connoisseur. I'd have to say that uh, that's my favorite coffee shop to go to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My favorite latte. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I thought we could just do a little rundown here. These are like common questions. You know, people are really, you know, obsessed. A lot of people are kind of obsessed with anal sex, too, and like want to know, like, you know, what do you think like the the appeal is or why people are so obsessed with it? Well, I think part of the the appeal about anal sex is also because it's in that area of the butt. And I think there's a lot of, there's, there's boob men, there's butt men, there's, you know, people who have different parts of the body. But when you're really into the ass... Um, anal just makes sense. And so for a lot of people, especially uh, Latin guys like myself or black guys or people of color, you know, different cultures, it just seems to be like this desire to want to engage with like the curvature and the hourglass sort of nature, you know, area of... Look, he's like, he's like gripping an ass I, right now I'm, as he's talking. I'm it's very lit- sexy. He's like the ass, the ass, the ass. I'm like, wow. I'm making like melons in my hand. <laughs> but, and so I think that it, it, it for people that physical um, arousal does transfer into a lot of their, their desires. Uh, and then also anal has this wonderful taboo sort of context to it that really does, I think, get under people's skin and psychologically just get them excited and aroused. Because because of the taboo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And um, people always want to know, like, how do I do it better? Or they're afraid of it. We're going to be answering some emails about it. But let's just break down some of the like the myths, let's say, or taboos, um, fears. The butt is exit only, not for pleasure. You know, we hear that, like, why do anal... You know, and you can like have so many, you have, you have the vagina or it's not even an erogenous zone. Mm-hmm. Not true. Not true. It can be, for some people, it might be painful. They don't want, I mean, it might be not an erogenous zone, but for many, many it is. And um, a lot of pleasure from it. I think a lot of people never give it a chance. Right. And they, they have it in their mindset already that, hey, this is not a place where I should go to, that the exit only sort of philosophy is what I live and stand by. And they don't even experiment and explore. And imagine if we just denied ourselves from trying out something that could be so enjoyable or pleasurable. It, it, I always use the uh, the sushi metaphor. Like how many of us did not want to try sushi that first time? Yeah, I didn't. Like raw fish, are you kidding me? 
Like, no, I'm not eating that. Like, cook it, right. please. And then all of a sudden, how, how many times do you uh If I could, I would eat it breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. I love sushi. What's your You're favorite, right. favorite kind of sushi? Um, I just like a good, like a good tuna roll. Like tuna, uh, spicy tuna, tuna, or eel and avocado roll. Mm. Yellowtail, hamachi. I, I oh like my God, I'm getting so hungry. What, it melts in your mouth? Tuntataki, it's so good. That's what anal okay, sex so can anal, do. Anal sex can melt in your mouth. It's true. <laughs> but people say, another is speaking of melting in your mouth, it's too dirty, it's messy, it's painful. To be sexy, people think. But, you know, no. It can be, you know, there's poop in there. They think, oh, it can't be sexy. But we're going to yeah. tell them how it can be. Anal sex is only for gay men. And if you like it, that means that you're gay. People say that, too. Not true. You're a straight man. I am. You identify as straight. I identify as straight. And, um, and you like anal play in your, in your anal? I like it. Anus? Uh, oh, with my partners or with myself. So, for me, it's, a, it, it's, a, it's an area that has so many nerve endings. And it can be so like we said, taboo and arousing and pleasurable that we might as well explore to see if we have compatibility with our partners exactly. in that area. And this whole idea that it's dirty or unhygienic, I mean, look, when we take a shower, when we cleanse ourselves, when we do a little bit of prep work, I mean, that's how our bodies work and we can, you know, freshen them up to a, 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 a in my opinion, to a place where we can feel really good about the sexual experiences and the and the, the sense and the tastes and the touches that we have. Right, but how did you get into it? How did you, like, the first time you tried it? Were you with a partner or did you, with your own anus? Oh, because a lot of men, myself or well, yeah, for because I've always, partner? well, it doesn't, however you first, because a lot of men that, I think that's the biggest thing I hear is guys are like, well, now I feel like men are starting to say, I'm kind of curious, but I'm not really sure what to do. Um, you know, like, and all the things that doesn't make me gay, but I, but you know, they don't know how to even stimulate themselves. Right. So, I mean, I know you're a sex educator and doctor and all that. But. You, you know, for myself, it was about a partner who just was moseying on around that area and just like started grazing in that, in that region with their finger. And I thought, you know, there, there was like a conflict I was experiencing. It was like, wow, that feels really good, but whoa, that's not like what I'm supposed to be feeling or right. I shouldn't be liking that. So I'm going back and forth kind of in my head and you're kind of like, yes, more, no, please stop. And yes, no, more, please stop, you know? Right. <laughs> and I just found that, you know, once you get comfortable with somebody and you want them. Was to, it a finger the first time? Uh, it, no, it wasn't even inside. It was just on the outside. Oh, right, the outside, because there are so many nerve endings. It can feel really good. Yeah. And, and a lot of people, a lot of uh, women will, you know, play with your balls and they'll kind of like go a little bit south and then start playing with your perineum. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, that does feel kind of good. And, and then there's just like this accidental graze on the anus. And then you're like, uh, you could do that again if you want. Right. But you don't know how to say it because you're, right. you're like, right. Because people don't want to communicate. So what did you say? Were you like, do that again? Not the first time. No, I didn't no. say anything. I just like put it in the memory box. Right. You're like, oh, check. Yeah. Okay. Good. And, and then as we got, you know, we, we got more educated and more exper- experienced, like all of a sudden we realized, oh, there can be like, communication about this or we can incorporate some lube or we can actually like involve this and enjoy it so it's 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 a process i know a lot of people listening that first step is the hardest one and just being able to acknowledge it within yourself that this is a place where i can venture to exactly men and women it's true because a lot of women think that you know they don't like you know they think they don't like anal sex they would never like it or maybe they had a bad experience or it was really really painful yeah, there's a lot of bad experiences. I know, people have first, first time, time and they write it off forever because you know you didn't use lube, you weren't warmed up, someone just shoved it in. Like, yeah. no, that's, that's not good. Oh. That's why we're today. We're going to tell you how to do it the right way. Do you want to hear about my first uh, experience on me? Oh yeah. So uh, I, I was always fascinated by it with my first college girlfriend, and you know she would allow me to try, and I didn't know what I was on doing. her on her. Okay, I had no clue what I was doing. I was the, uh, I mean, literally, I was just put put a dunce hat on me. I was the most uneducated, wor- like worst anal sex right. experience ever <laughs> and I'm sure so, a lot of women cannot relate to what you're saying right now right. and I didn't know I mean I, I, I cared about her I loved her I didn't want to hurt her but I didn't know I needed lube so we would oh, try these ouch. things with hands or body parts penises and no lube was involved and just I could only imagine the awful experience that she was having and it was just the two of us not knowing what we were doing right she didn't know to, to recommend it I didn't know what to recommend how would you it. know then right so once we were taking a shower and she was always a trooper she was always like trying and trying and we just never could get you know it couldn't emulate like what I'd see in porn and all of a sudden we're in the shower and she was such a passive submissive sweet sweet girl and wished she got this like rage inside of her as we were taking a shower together she took her finger and she just jammed it up inside of me and i was literally plastered up against the tile and i was just like my hands were spread and i was like what the you know what the hell are you doing i was like under her total control i couldn't move i was like and she says now you know how it feels oh my god and i was like whoa that's awful so we didn't do it again wow. after that. No, she did that just to show you. Wow, she didn't anger. Know. Yeah, she had that's a lot way to show up. you. And it hurt, right? You go. Anyone goes right in like that. When oh, you're not it hurt right. like oh, dude. Worst pain that's in a life. good story. 
And then is that what turned you into a sex doctor? You're like, I want to get this right. I don't want to finger up my ass <laughs> when I don't know. Um, okay, so let's talk about how to prep. What did you say? <laughs> did you figure out with her? That's kind of killer. Like, that's just like, that's like a drunken thing. She was like in the shower, premeditated, like, I'm yeah. going to stick this finger in your butt. Wow. Yeah. Because so. how would you know? Yeah, guys, don't think about that. And women. We don't know. We don't know. We but, don't know. But, but that's what we're here to tell everyone. But it taught me a lot. Like, she wasn't able to communicate that it was painful, and I wasn't able to how ask could, those right, questions. Right. And We've so all been there. That was like our non use of words to say, this hurts, and let's like take a break. Let's <laughs> right. stop. Because you kept trying. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I didn't know it was painful. Isn't it funny that when we, I mean, I've been there too. Things have hurt. I'm like, no, it's okay. You know, we're in pain. But that's why mm-hmm. you should always speak up if you're in pain. And when you're not in pain, you should speak up about everything about sex, which is what we talk a lot about in the show. So let's talk about the preparation, getting ready for anal sex. So people are like, is it dirty? Like, how do I wash that area? Do I need to, you know, do an enema, like clear the runway? Like, what, what do you recommend? Like, I say you could do an enema if you wanted to. You know, you could. But it's not couldn't. necessary. You know, it's almost like some people say, well, I have to have a partner who takes a shower before we have sex. And some people are like, I don't really care. Like, I like the way you smell. And, if, right. you know, it's a little bit of the day has gone by. Like, I'm okay with it. So everybody's got their own sort of hygienic needs. That's true. But it should be talked about. We should get to know our partner's hygiene needs. And if, if playing in the anus or playing in the rectum is, is part of like your desires, you want to bring that up and just find out like where, how far should we go? Because we can make it squeaky, squeaky clean or we can just sort of ride the wave of in the moment and just acknowledge that it might get a little dirty, it might get a little messy, but that could be okay. Right, because sex is messy. Sex can be messy. It's okay, but you know, just if you just want to do the basics, you can just shower, clean your genitals beforehand. Right. Um, use non-irritating soap, stick mm-hmm. a little finger inside, rinse, you know, just do that. So, I don't think that you, yeah, exactly. Case by case basis, decide how you feel about it and um, stick up for that. Um, safety first, condoms, mm-hmm. and very important. Uh, clean and trim. <laughs> Hernando, you let me know that you trimmed your fingernails. Keith, I think you thought we were having anal. I, I didn't know if this would be an experiential. Right, maybe. Yeah. We just started, so we'll see. So clean and trim <laughs> fingernails, very important. Because we always think you should start with the finger. Yeah. And, and one mistake I made today is I didn't file my nails. I, I just, know. I dude, I'm them. sorry. I was going to do it, but you didn't file. Damn, Damn. you. Ah. Um, our most important uh, starring role is lube. Yes. Besides your finger, penis, or toys. Lube, it makes any sexual experience more pleasurable. I just, you know how I feel about lube. The right. wetter, the better. Um, and the anal canal, not self-lubricating. Like the, the vagina can self will self-lubricate. The anus will not like you like non-negotiable you need lube during sex but which lube is the best you know i, I found out how dry it was back in college and i never, <laughs> exactly. for, never forgot that and, never forgot it and we've got i think you and i were having a great discussion earlier about um what can we do to help line that rectum yes I mean, let's I, talk about it want to talk about that yeah yeah you show me some Hernando. oh my god we, we took some videos i'm going to save the ones on snapchat but like he came in here with a huge box of sex toys of butt plugs <laughs> and he was like what What did you say you're like what if I got hit walking across the street and butt plugs went like flying across Santa Monica Boulevard and would've that would have been, been hilarious all over Hollywood I would have laughed I mean I would have saved you I would have come save you but then I would have just had to take pictures <laughs> of the butt plugs but you brought some cool stuff should we talk about some of the stuff happening with lube sure sure you know uh, so as you were saying, you know, the, the <laughs> rectum doesn't self-lubricate like the vagina does. So we've got to take into consideration that the inside of the of, of during anal sex of the rectum is totally dry. And that's where a lot of pain comes from people. Um, so what are we going to do about that? You know, sometimes I, something I call the squeegee effect is what a lot of people will do. And, and it's it's one way to try to lubricate the rectum, but it actually sometimes works against us or doesn't work very well. And what I mean by that is imagine a person putting all this lubrication on the penis, you know, or on the dildo or the toy, and they're going to have anal, and they just like sort of insert it. And the the anus itself, because it's it's closed and tight, actually it like squeegees a lot of that lube off. Right. So you're kind of inserting inside with very little lube. Right. Um, but you think you put a lot of lube on. Right, because you did. But it's, it's on the outside, right. or most of it. Right. So now we have what? We have the lube shooter. Lube shooter, Do yeah. you recommend the lube shooter? I, I love them. I think they're really valuable, but it's not very sexy, especially if it's like a hookup or someone you're just sort of getting you know, right. intimate it, with. It literally looks like a, a water gun, but you it, shoot the, or like a shot. Like a syringe. Like, like a, a syringe, yeah, right. You fill it up with lube and you sort of insert shoot it your gently, butt. Right. shoot inside. Okay. But they have these new products. 
um, they have these new like like a, a gel sort of silicone capsules that you insert inside of the rectum and they actually dissolve. It takes about 15 to 30 minutes and it, it dissolves. It keeps dissolving in the alone. That's really brilliant. It's like a lube suppository. I think it's brilliant. You could use it for vaginal, but I think it's really beneficial for. for you could use it for vaginal as well. Mm-hmm. Obviously, yeah, that makes sense too because it's true. Yeah, you, the lube you gotta always you gotta reapply. Don't be ashamed to reapply. Lube on every nightstand. Emily, what do you think about water-based versus silicone? Um, for anal or for anything uh, in life, I like them both. It depends what I'm doing. I like hybrid too. Um, but I like I like silicone if you're using like skin condoms, which are poly supreme. You don't have to worry about it mm-hmm. as much. Silicone lasts longer. It's slippier, 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 slippy. Is it slippy? Slippy, S- slippy. Um, and lasts longer. <laughs> and you know, it could be a little harder to clean up, but I like it for anal. Yeah. But yeah, what about you? Um, I, I, I like silicone for anal for sure because it definitely because the the water based absorbs more in the rectum because it is a water absorption canal, um, so it 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 will run out over time. So if you are a person who lasts longer or if it's kind of like you know it could dry up a little bit inside there, um, whereas the silicone would last a, a bit more. Personally, I've, I've always liked um, a, a combination of different ones, but I'm I'm kind of on the this Wicked uh, Ultra Kick. That's like okay. my favorite lube right now. Um, for anal and then for if a, a partner is comfortable with vaginal silicone use um, I like uber lube these days yeah so, I like uber lube I like yeah. Joe lube I like Joe they make a bunch of different kinds of um, yeah it's great lube too yeah like hybrids so, oh my god they send us so much lube I'm gonna send you home with some lube I uh, appreciate that how about Thank that you. and yes. um, about plug oh we did Wonderful. we gave you we gave you the uh, the black pearl Yes. The yeah. Vipitex, yeah. So you're going to try that tonight. Give your, me a call. Give me your guinea pig. Um, but let's talk about all the tension we carry in our butt and why, why that's important to relax. Like We walk around with tension in our butt. Mm-hmm. We do. And we don't breathe. We don't relax. And when, when we don't take breaths, I mean, that's a lot of times we tense up. We're nervous. It's like something's going in your anus for the first time or it could be right. the 10th time. We're still going to tense up if you're not sure. So you've got to really remember to like to breathe. Right. And to like massage the anus and to like work up the like don't just go right for it even if you've got the lube you've got the condoms you got to still work it like foreplay pre-anal foreplay very important and it helps to be aroused it helps if you're aroused beforehand have a few you know orgasms beforehand that oh that's one of the best the right the, the muscular release of of orgasm really relaxes people's butts i mean that's a wonderful way to get that sphincter muscle to just sort of like calm down and maybe right. be a little more inviting and Exactly. Open their arms up and give us a big hug. Exactly. <laughs> hug by your sphincter. Sphincter. Yeah. It sounds like, well, what? A lot of people don't realize that our sphincters, we've got the internal and the external. So the outer and the inner sphincter. And so, you know, we can control the outer one. That's the one that we can like squeeze and wink and right. pucker. And <laughs> I always wink people with my sphincter. It's oh, weird. Are yeah. you an anal winker? Yeah, I am. It's one on one scale. I can't wink really. Like I literally don't know how to wink with my eyes, but I can wink with my ass. It's weird. That's all that matters. Yeah. Um, you got to pick one or the other. Right. You got the right one. Thanks. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. I mean, have you checked out our incredible sponsors? We love them, and I know you will too. We'll be right back. My hangriness is legendary. So anyone who hangs out with me knows to carry snacks. A few months ago, my best friend handed me an RX bar just when I was about to cross over into Hangrytown, and it wasn't pretty. I was like, okay, cool. I'll eat what you got. And she handed me the coconut cacao RX bar and it's ruined me for other bars. Now I have one for breakfast when I'm in a hurry because it could be used as a meal replacement. And the best part is I don't have that sugar high after I eat one. Oh, and I always have the apple cinnamon as an afternoon snack. It's so good. It's one of those things you actually look forward to. Like, do you ever go to bed dreaming about your morning latte? I mean, maybe that's just me. But RX bar gives me that same feeling. RX bar is a 100% whole food protein bar. No artificial sweeteners, colors, or preservatives. No BS. What you see on the wrapper is what you get. Each of the 11 flavors is gluten-free, soy-free, and dairy-free. For a limited time, Sex with Emily listeners can save 25% off their first order. Just go to rxbar.com slash SWE and use promo code SWE at checkout. Again, that's rxbar.com slash SWE. I want to share an email I got from a listener. Dear Emily, thank you for introducing me to the intensity. After having my baby, I gave it a try to help with a few issues I was experiencing down there. Although I've only been using it for a few months now, there's a wow factor improvement. It fixed the accidental peeing thing, but I swear my sex drive has never been higher. My husband thinks I'm a different person. Thank you and please thank the people at Intensity for me. Renee, 37, Ohio. 
I hear this all the time because the intensity just works. It uses gentle electrostimulation to deliver an extremely effective Kegel workout. Because it's also a vibrator, this product brings you to orgasm while you're using it. And it increases the strength, frequency, and you guessed it, intensity of all your orgasms after regular use. Like Renee, I've been using mine for over a year now, and the results have been life-changing. To experience it for yourself, click on the intensity banner on my website or visit pourmoi.com slash Emily. That's P-O-U-R-M-O-I dot com slash Emily. I hope you guys are enjoying the show. The next half features author and porn star legend Nina Hartley and sex educators Sunny Megatron and Ken Melvoinberg. I have an amazing woman sitting here in the studio with me. Um, Nina Hartley. Hello. Hello. Yay, I love the clapping. That's amazing. She, <laughs> and Nina is, if you don't know, which I can't imagine because everyone knows who Nina is, I feel, uh, American pornographic actri- actress, director, sex educator, feminist, author. You've been in how many films? In about 900. 900 films. Ish-ish. And you're still doing films. Oh, absolutely. And everything. You're activist. You've done so many things. And I'm, I'm so in awe of your career and all the amazing things you've done. And we're going to talk about sex tonight. I mean, <gasps> sex with Emily. Really? But I if love anyone, that. I always feel like topic. I should. I know. How about that? Is isn't it awesome? I know. And we're going to get into the stuff, all the things that you've ever wanted to ask Nina. And I feel like so many of my listeners, they need tips. They need advice like for keeping their their relationships interesting and how to have a spicy sex life. And I love oral sex tips. I always ask my guests. And I feel like you would have really good oral sex oh, tips for women yes. and for men. Oh, so yes. we're going to get into that, you know, sexy voice. Yeah. And Anderson, are you paying attention? Are you Anderson? Are you there? Um, so I'm here with Anderson as well. And um, he's making everything run smoothly. I make things sound good. You make things sound pretty. You're, and you're not just a you pretty face yourself. make you sound pretty. Thank as you. does Nina. And I just make sure that the levels are good. That's all I, I know, do. but you're doing good. Okay. So, Nina. Yes. I don't even know. I was like, Nina, I mean, I think there's so many things that Nina can talk about. And so, I feel like, tell me what you're up to now. So, first, well, yeah, tell me what, what's going on in your life now that you're excited about. What are you working on? Nina.com, um, which is amazing you have that URL. Right, yeah. Nina.com is uh, my... Um, my Website. pay site and, it, and, and it's triple X I do need to I've been doing this 32 years since I started dancing and 30 years in porn and I am now old enough to have children in their 30s but as I tell the young people with whom I work you know I'm old enough to be your mother but I'm no one's mother so it's not creepy <laughs> right exactly <laughs> so um, I want I have been working putting more energy into branching out just uh, in terms of talking and teaching uh, because I've been a feminist my whole life, and so I remember the early days of the conversation about pornography and sex and sexuality and sexual expression from the 70s, and now I have 40 years' perspective on how's that working for you. Right, exactly. So I'm the age of a lot of young people's parents, and so, but I'm, but, but I'm not a parent, so they, so I'm not icky. Right. So I wanted, I wanted to give back to the community. I want to talk to young adults um, about what I wish I'd known about sex when I was their age. What is so? When you say young, you're talking about people in their twenties. I'm talking eight with, for, okay. for for me, eighteen to thirty. I could e- I'm fifty four. I could easily have a thirty year old child. Yeah, without right. without it being weird. Right. And if I'd had a child right out of high school, that person would be thirty. I two of my favorite playmates were born the year I graduated graduated high school and they're 35 it right. blows my mind but i see them as peers because they're what do you mean your playmates people that you play with have sex with right i i, I am um i am not a monogamous person and okay. i'm also queer so i have a large circle of poly um, poly bi queer non-monogamous right polymorphously perverse <laughs> exactly um, but uh, so I live a, I live a very sexually open lifestyle and what people get confused about who are not this wired this way is that they could use open with um, anarchic with like no rules at all right. and what it really is it's a, it's a kind of sexual orientation that works best when you keep it within people of your like orientation right. so the people with whom I play and for me play is almost always some kind of sexual Intention, mm-hmm. if not actual genital contact, are people who share my sexual values, my sexual outlook. Most of my overlaps sexual philosophy enough that we can cohabit the same space and share some kind of mutual good time. And I don't try to do that with people whose sexual values and boundaries don't mesh with mine. And the biggest thing I could tell anybody as a young adult is figure out what 
and this something you can do alone while reading. You don't even have to do it with anybody. It's just something inside yourself. What do I seem to be? I'm strongly pulled toward monogamy. I'm strongly pulled toward non-monogamy, but I feel guilty about it because of what I've been told. So am I really monogamous and wanting a fantastical dream? Or am I actually a non-monogamous person burdened with guilt? Hmm. So we have to investigate. Exactly. So, and on and on. So my playmates, and they're 35, and they're born the year I graduated high school. It's like, get the F out of Dodge. Right, oh, exactly. my God. But... But but I feel as I feel more alive than ever. I wouldn't go, go back and be thirty five again if you paid me because at thirty five I was entering the most unhappy period of my first marriage, okay. the, where I was craziest and most absolutely. So I've been unhappily married. I'm happily married now, and I have I have insight I can impart to people, um, you know, and also the whole thing about personal responsibility. Stop right. feeling like such a victim. I'm sure you talk about that with yes. people all the time. Yes, feeling like a victim in their own life. You mean in their own, especially when it comes with, to sex. Poor right. me, poor me, and you know, pull up your big, pull up your big, big person panties. Right, exactly. And uh, and we're not talking about actually having been victimized. Obviously, we're not talking about violence. No, but, but we're right, talking about where, where you know what you do, where you do exactly. when you're crazy. You keep exactly. picking the wrong partners. Oh you have God. this pattern that you act out again and again. And you realize, and after the third time, it is you. Exactly. It's like, what's the common denominator here? Oh, okay, it's me. I know. I fully blame myself for all of my mistakes now. Like, I think it's so funny about my relationships. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is my pattern. And people don't stop and they, they don't stop and look at themselves. But I think it's interesting. So you've been, have you always known that you were non-monogamous or when you were yes. not married? And I never had a monogamous fantasy in my life. I always fantasized about them. I never fantasized about him. And I always felt strange about that. So when it comes to sex, I feel like Spock. I just never... And if you have friends who are very, very strongly gay, they'll tell you, oh, I knew from first grade. Oh, I right. knew since I was five years old. Oh, absolutely. And and you know people like that. Yeah, absolutely. I am not. So my sexuality is as strong and inbred and born in me as their gayness. But because it, I didn't have language for it, I didn't know that it had to do with or, um, relational orientation. Right. Or because poly is and monogamous is separate from gay or kinky or bisexual and it says, it says right. it's, how do you want to run your romantic life and I'm very happy I need a wide variety of people with whom I can be sexual and I have a husband and people will say Nina if you're why be married if you're not going to be monogamous right and I say well my husband's my through partner so all the sex I have is intentional right we negotiate it. We are doing it deliberately. It's not because someone got drunk. So each time I'm with someone, that's a beautiful bead. Maybe this is a carved ivory bead. Or this is a Murano glass bead. Or this is a Hopi Indian bead. And I string all those beads on the through relationship I have with my husband. And they, for me, that balances out. Right. And is he also, Is he? does he see other people as well? Or? Nothing seriously. Um, I'm... I'm polyamorous. He's non-monogamous. Okay, <laughs> but but the orientations work well enough that that um, we can we can make it work. My my primary when I got out of my first marriage, I knew I knew that I would be single until I was dead and have cats and lovers before I would ever consent again to be with a possessive partner. I've been struggling with my guilt over wanting a non-possessive partner for so long. And I'm struggling over my guilt about desiring multiple people because person A would get so hurt right. that, I, that I expressed an interest in person B because person A felt that my interest in person B therefore meant less for him or her. Right. And Or you like B because you don't like me. You like B because I'm deficient. It's like, no, I like A and B. And, and there's enough for everyone, and right? From as a poly person, A is A is A. Nothing else can be A, and nothing else can be. You can, and you can't. They don't compete. Exactly. So, I, if there's a, for example, another slender, attractive, accomplished, intelligent young brunette woman over here, <laughs> um, who can rock the, uh, the the plaid pants, which I no longer bother trying to wear, um, and if there's someone who, on the surface of it, looked a lot like you, I would not be confused because you're you. And she would be right. her. And so that so you vibrate this string in that harmonic resonance way and she right. and she can't pluck your string. Right, exactly. Only people you get or jealous you. and they're possessive and so I totally understand. Do you think that there's a lot of people do you find that would be non monogamous or polyamorous if they could, but they don't even think that's an option because they have to be monogamous? Or do you think really like a lot of people are, you know, such a monogamous I think a lot of people are suffering through monogamy. Like I, like, I think monogamy is an 
honest orientation. I think a, a solid 20% of people are truly monogamous. Right. One partner is all they want and they're devoted their whole lives and it's not a burden and it, and it really, it's what, right. it's what they it's are. What they want, they chose it, it right. They are it. Right. It's, 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 this is yeah. it. I fell. I, I met your mother when we were fifteen. I fell in love and never looked at another woman since. And I've met enough couples like that to know that for some people is true. And then there is twenty percent of the people like me who are fully acclimated to a functioning, healthy, non-monogamous relational style and have a, a good partner and are okay with that. And the other sixty percent are struggling with some balance of it. So it's, it's not that I think more people would be non-monogamous. I think more people could be more open and fluid than are now yeah. if it were considered an a healthy option. Right now, you know, monogamy is the only thing that's helpful, healthy and normal and mature and respectful. I would never put up with my partner. You you let him do what? Right. You let her do what? It's like not letting. Right. So clearly, I can't be with someone like you and i and i tried that i tried very hard i fail at monogamy i i completely i did too i was i ended up being a cheater right i ended up being a liar i ended up withholding it was it was crazy so but if what what i really was why i want to strangle them okay people and say well you know i want other partners but i don't want my partner have anybody else it's like then you are too immature for this you don't get to have the cookie right because this is a two-way street exactly now because in our culture, people get stunted emotionally at very young ages around sexuality and pleasure and what do I get to have in the world? And then they grow up to be big people and they interact with another adult person and then a trigger gets gets pushed. All of a sudden, they're, again, a very young child and they don't want to have to deal with their stuff. You have to do it first because I'm not going to. It's like I right. thought I was dating a grown-up. Exactly. Right. I kept waiting for the to want kids and it never I, the joke now is at the factory they forgot to wind my biological exactly. clock. Exactly. That's what I always say. I'm you like, know? I don't have one. I don't no, have this, I love kids. I love, love them. Love them. But let's go back to your child. So you grew up in Berkeley, mm-hmm. California, mm-hmm. Um, which I just moved to LA from San Francisco. So my heart is still in San oh, Francisco. Be so there, what yeah. was it go like? Go Niners. Go Niners. Growing up in Berkeley, then what were your parents like? Were they? Oh, my parents are totally alt. Um, my alt- father. Sure. My, my father. Um, uh, was uh, a blacklisted radio personality. So I grew up after he'd been black. He was oh, okay. the last people McCarthy got. And my mother, they had had a pretty modern marriage and my mother was going back to school to get her master's and she had a job too. And so I grew up in a very um, avant-garde, female breadwinner, male homekeeper okay. household 20 years before that was popular. So that was very difficult um, for right. everybody I'm involved. I'm sure it must have been. So I was, I, I was the youngest and so I had a lot of... Um, uh, time to myself to pursue my own interests. My parents were all of the sixties deeply into therapy. All cut, girl. I right. can tell you everything. Ther- right, you got. It. Ah. And in, in nineteen sixty nine, they found Zen Buddhism and um, started studying that seriously. In nineteen seventy three, they quit. Uh, my mother quit her job and became they became full time students. And my mother is a senior priest at the Zen Center in San Francisco. Oh, she is. She and, still is. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so yes, I was a lonely child. Yes, my parents feel very bad about that. Right. But the positive thing out of all of that is that they show by their example that you can. Their life had been upended by my father's blacklist and this, the plan they have right. for themselves. 165 miles an hour into the brick wall and so they showed me that you can a person can cast about and find the best way to make an honorable and meaningful life for yourself according to your own needs and for a proto-queer kid who didn't know that word yet, it was very, very liberating because part of what they also looked at was sexuality. And then there was a feminist movement where I got all the, some of the source material because of these brand new ideas. And so there was, before the anti-pornography feminists took over the whole branch of, the whole wing of feminism, there was actually quite open discussion about um, sex workers' rights and 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 when women's bodies beautiful. It was this really great, very, so it was very empowering that the, the thinking about right, exactly. But I was younger enough that it wasn't I wasn't fully an adult. I didn't. I hadn't become an adult in that environment. So I was reading people's projections on a utopian way of being around sexuality, young enough that I grew into it. Um, and you lived it, and, and you I, were living I it now. It. And if I'd, if I'd had a little more f u u effing f, I would have not put up with some of what I put up with. I was a, I was a bit. I was a bit. Uh, co- bit. I was quite codependent for a number of years. Okay. And so in my secret mind, I wanted to be braver like Betty Dotson in right. my real life. I just couldn't quite break that pattern until I finally did at 40. It's like, oh, I'm holding myself back. Right. Right. 
I'm excited for today's show. Hello, Sonny and Ken. Thanks Hi. for being here. Hi, thanks for having us on. It's awesome. We just met. So we, Sonny and Ken, are a dynamic duo sexologists. They have a show on Showtime, mm-hmm. Sex with Sonny Megatron. Yeah. Yes. So you guys met at FetLife. We did. Yes. We that did was meet my question. Life. I wanted to ask how you guys met. So were you both... You had already been Ken in in this world uh, for many years. Yeah, yeah he, he like it was born kinky. I, I was I had it yeah. Suppressed. I started kink in the in the eighties. God, you were the like the pioneer. No, it's been around. <laughs> That's cool. So you were in the eighties. So you met and were you just like timidly going on fat life because you hadn't really. Yeah, yeah. I I actually you didn't seem timid to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, I was just exploring around. I actually met a couple of people on Craigslist. Which, <laughs> I'm still here. Uh, right, and right. then they're like, hey, there's a site fat life. And so I was just slowly dipping my toes into the water, like all of the things that I imagined and that, you know, my fantasies I touched myself to that I didn't really think people did in real life. I was like, there's a whole community. I had no idea. So you weren't even... I mean, you didn't think they did it in real life. So were you just like, re- what were you watching porn? Were you, how were you like? I, the first exposure to kink I had was the Anne Rice uh, beauty series. I read when I was 22 or something. Okay. And I, it was so dirty, but it was so hot. And I thought seriously that me and Anne Rice were the only two people that had like a weird, perverted, dirty imagination. You're like, nobody else thinks this way. Right. Yeah. And I had no idea. No, I was completely naive. And then you were married. You yes. said for tw- yeah, well, it was a long-term relationship. Okay, long-term relationship. Married. Yeah. Right, okay, and that was just like, you were in the slump, and you were just, uh, no, nothing. So yeah. you had these fantasies still, but you don't know how to, you weren't, like, yeah. it wasn't with your partner. So I found my, I became single, the economy went into a slump, I got laid off from my job, so it was kind of the perfect opportunity to reinvent myself, and boom, met Ken, here we are. Okay, so what happened, tell me, so you go on Fat Life looking for, like, how, what was it about Ken's, like, profile? Like, well, he, he approached me first, and he commented, I, I got courage enough to put a picture of my boobs on the internet. Not my face. Not my okay. face and my no boobs fa- no at the same time. Together, right. Yeah. right. I would never recommend so, that. And he was like, hey, nice boobs. And that <laughs> that was our first connection. And he seemed really... <laughs> Which is a great thing. And that he says, you know, there's your left boobs bigger than your right boobs. Like, that wouldn't have been great. But nice boobs is good. Yeah. Well, nice boobs, my, I, is. I have saggy grandma boobs. So I was like, he likes my saggy I do. grandma I do. boobs. I do. I love them. Awesome. I like natural um, boobs. And, you know, I checked right. out his profile and he seemed smart and you know intelligent and good looking and witty except for he was into clown sex and I was like what he seems so normal like what is this dressing as a clown and having sex and then as I got to know him um I guess our we kind of melded in that way because to me having silly sex like you saw us with the unicorn mask when you see 50 shades of gray it's very serious very I am the dom get down on your knees I'm gonna punish you and I can't I right. laugh. I'm like, are you kidding me? Right. Are you serious? I can't. One of our first scenes together was uh, she dressed, she used to do miming, and she dressed up like a mime. I was a clown, and I was like chasing around and torturing her at an S&M party. And, and, and I couldn't that talk. That was your first date? Tell her what her, tell her, what her safe My word was. My safe word was just like me doing uh, jazz hands. Jazz hands. <laughs> and I was a mime, and or I she was right. trapped in a box. Yeah. No, that was our fourth or this fifth date. This is a good date. time. Wait, okay, got it. So that, so clown sex, so this is your first thing that I'm into clown sex. Were you like, what is that? Like, you dress like a clown? Like, you, you juggle? Wait, did I, you, I, a little, I, little I, of both. I right, did. Right. And, and balloon bondage. That's yeah. one of the other things is I was really into balloon bondage. So I started off teaching rope bondage for many, many years. And so I took the kind of balloons, the real big, skinny, long ones that you do balloon animals with. And I would learn how to make handcuffs. I would do a complete, uh, like, mummification on somebody where I would start wrapping at their feet and go all the way up to the top of their head and put silly kind of like big penis hats on them and then like make wrist restraints and then uh, take a single tail uh, whip and I would like take off the balloons one at a time and it was just a lot of fun so it sounds really scary and it's literally just scary sounding because they pop and there's like when a balloon pops there's actually a sonic right. boom that's created so it's just a little bit ouchy it's because the whip never hits you the only thing that happens is the balloon pops on your skin so psychologically it sort of screws with your head a little bit but right. it's not really going to hurt you so you're so you guys are into bdsm but not it's not in a uh, different way. I You're wasn't really. I was interested in BDSM, um, but I didn't know that you could. Because I'm, a, we. I laugh. I'm a very humorous person. Right. I couldn't be serious, and for me, it was like oh my goodness, sex doesn't have to be serious. I was always afraid, like, my hair's going to get messed up and my makeup's going to get messed wow. up and I'm going to have the fat rolls and my one boob's going to be in my armpit. And, and being a clown and having funny, fun so you BDSM. you were a clown too? Or? 
well, yeah, after, yeah, after, after she, I met him, yeah, after she met I me. I realized it gave me permission to have my funny, silly, messy, laughy sex that I always wanted to have, but I thought I had to be like the movies where it was so serious. Right, like in your laundry. No, like, yeah. Exactly. Perfect, right. But you know, but seriously, sex sex is funny. It, there's, there's noises. People fart. There is all sorts of groans and moans. And it's okay. And it's I mean, okay to do that. Like, yeah. Is it bad? I farted. Is he ever going to call? I'm like, and if he doesn't, he's not the guy for you. Like, exactly. Yeah, totally, totally. You know, like, it is messy. And if you want to be with someone who who respects you, who's like into whatever, like your period happens, you know? Right, yep. exactly. with it. absolutely. Um, so, okay, so then clown sex, then he had you at clown sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what did, what else, how else did you like open up together, would you say? Like, you've always been into more kinkier stuff. So what was right. like the next? I, I started being a submissive for Ken. I started out that way. I really tried, and I realized she did a really good it job. Wasn't She's, but for it wasn't me. for her. Like and living in that way, like you guys, like, like no, 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 just, no. just in the bedroom because the bedroom. I, I no, I can't live right. that way. Um, but in the bedroom, I I try bottoming and taking the spankings, and he can be really sadistic. And I have a high pain tolerance, but it just it I wasn't it. quite into it. And then I realized, like, I want to be you. I want to be the dominant one. And it was hard for me to embrace that, you know, to, to be like, I'm in control in the bedroom because right. I've never played that role before. So um, we have an open relationship. I kind of became his co-pilot. Which was awesome because so I let her know that you don't have to be in one category. You can try. I was a submissive when I started off because I wanted to try all this stuff so I know what it feels like to do to somebody else. And with her, I said, you can totally be a, a top if you want you can be the one in charge or you can be an evil assistant and she can actually be more sadistic and funny than i can <laughs> I, as the evil assistant i love being the evil assistant because in order to be a dominant and especially one that is is <laughs> as sadistic as he is it takes a lot of planning and i i am too busy i have two kids i am planning everything you all the do, time okay. i don't want all that preparation and cleanup so he's in charge of all of the prep work i just step in when it's like who's asked you want me to hit right and it's perfect and then how do you Okay, so you guys are okay. Back up. This is so interesting. So you're in an open relationship. Yeah, you are married. And we all, yeah, we we we, we are married, but we have always been in an open relationship. In fact, I think it took us a year before we actually said I love you to one another. Admitted we were a thing. Yeah, Yeah. and and then like, and we moved in like shortly thereafter. Like, and her and the girls moved in, and now we're just a big happy family. Okay, and do the girls? So you kids, do they know that you're in an open relationship, and they know what's going on? You know, we don't really talk about that with them. My older one is in college. She's going into her second year in college. Um, she knows. I mean, I've talked about it when we were dating, but she isn't really like, so mom, you know, right. what, where are you going Friday night or anything? We don't you know, that's a really that. good question. But like the, the thing that I think my kids could be 50 years old and I don't think I'd talk about my right. sex life exactly. to them. Right. Cause they're your kids. It just isn't you pertinent. Just don't, right. right. No, I got it. Okay. So, so you guys, how do you find your, so is it constant? Like there's obviously times where just the two of you, but is it usually like every weekend you have a new person or do you guys no. each see people separately? Like it's, how does your actually very rare. Work? It's actually very rare. And it's funny because we were talking about the more that we um, date other people and it's it's more on a casual basis. It's not like we want to meet a third partner and all no, yeah, we don't want yeah, we don't you know, want um, it's just for fun. And the more that we date other people, the more we realize what a pain in the ass other people are and that we like each other. Well, that's kinda good. Yeah, see, I think that's healthy in a way. You're like, I wanna go it out is. there and then I'm like, Oh, God, it I satisfies you. our curiosity. Sucked. Yeah. It's Satisfies right. our curiosity and cements the fact like I don't want to put up with anybody else's BS but his BS. Oh, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, it, and it's interesting because having an open relationship for us, like I have, the older I get, the more I have younger women that are attracted to me because they have sort of a daddy, right. it, you know, daddy thing You're going on. Uh, yes, I am You're a DILF. A DILF. <laughs> um, and, I like DILF. And one, one of the issues that we had is that the more the younger girls were attracted to me, the more I was sort of bored with them because it took the, the like having an open relationship in a way takes the naughtiness out of it because I have permission and license to do almost anything I want, and that actually makes it less naughty, believe it or not. And so, so that's you know, why people like to cheat. They're like, wow, yeah, no, to, no, totally. But we have an rush. open relationship. You know, there's times when I do hook up with somebody, it might be like three in the morning, I'm at a party or a social event, and usually we're together 90% of the time. But if I'm alone, I'll call her up and say, Hey, this girl wants to give me a blowjob. Is that okay? And she says, Yeah, have good sex. I'm going to bed. Seriously, so okay, yeah. so this is how it works. So, so you couldn't just get the blowjob like that's because every op- person, every couple in an open relationship has to make their own rules. Right, right. So you're like, hold on, babe. There, like your pants might even be. You're like, I, I just got a call, and then yeah. check in. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't unzip anything until I get permission right. no, from no, her exactly. first. Do you ever say no, Sunny? 
No, not yet. No, I, you know, I, 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 we have veto power and I, I reserve that for just, you know, if someone gives me a really bad vibe or, but I haven't really had that, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh God, she's a flake, you know, right. this is going to last a week. Oh yeah. And she, it does, she, it's but, basically, she could do the odds in Vegas for the relationship status I have with other people. She's like, this one's going to take about three weeks and she's usually right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. And, and, and oftentimes, you know, when we say hook up, it doesn't have to be anything sexual. It could purely be just like a BDSM thing. Like I want you to flog me. I want you to kind of mess with my mind and there's not sex involved. Do you guys so. ever just have like vanilla sex though some nights? All, a lot. Most, most of the most time. Because it's, like, it's a lot of work to like do all the prep and like, it set is. it up, right? Yeah. It is. I mean, it's funny though because sometimes it's impromptu. We had... And that's the thing is that you normalize sex. Yeah. Because people, and everyone just wants to know if they're normal. It's like, it's exactly. fine. It turns you on. You're like, everything's good, you know? And the thing is, you know, with, with from the most bizarre to the most mundane type of sex that we show on the show, it's basically if you break all of those things down to their basic common denominator... You know, I want to feel connected to my partner or I want to feel uninhibited, not like I have to be perfect or, you know, I want to if someone wants to be, let's say, controlled and they're submissive. It's because when I when I'm being controlled, I feel loved and like somebody cares about me. So when you break it down to the basic need or the basic feeling, these things aren't so weird. We're all looking for the same things. They just manifest differently for whoever is into whatever. Right. Thank you all. Thank you. My amazing team here. Thank you, um, Shannon and Jenny and Jamie. And thank you to Ken, producer Lark, and Michael. And thanks everyone for subscribing to the show on iTunes and reviewing it. We love that. And thanks everyone for listening. Was it good for you? Text Ask Emily to 797979. Hey guys, it's almost Valentine's Day. And man, you guys have been crazy slinging me the DMs like mad. Everyone, you guys are all stressing out over what to do for your partner on Valentine's Day. And as much as I love helping you, which I do, I can also make it super easy for you like this second. Just go to adamandeve.com because they've set me up with an incredible deal for my friends just for Valentine's Day. They've created a special romance kit that has some fun stuff for both partners. So for a limited time, my friends, that includes all of you, by the way, can get one for free. Oh, and to make it even easier, they're knocking 50% off almost any single item and shipping the entire box for free. So let's make this the most stress-free Valentine's Day ever, right? It's a day of love. Let's not stress. Go to adamneve.com, enter code EMILY at checkout, and get 50% off one item, a free romance kit, and free shipping. Happy Valentine's Day.